Greetings, friends. Um, this is a special episode of the show. Um, unfortunately, the rules of war preclude night rule. You can't uh, really party when there's uh, war going on. It really kind of hinders the vibe. So this is more of a special report, Collapse of Empires edition. I'm uh, here in my broadcast booth alone. Strangely, my uh, my adjutant that the Austro-Hungarian sent me has uh, abandoned his post. I'm really shocked at his uh, behavior. He came from the finest finishing schools. He was a total gentleman, um, but I'll do my best to hold out here uh, all alone. I mean, really, this has to be about what's going on in Afghanistan and Kabul. Um, it's been a pretty dizzying week, and, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of here glued to the internet watching this... Uh, this all unfold in real time in the way one does uh, in the modern age. Very dizzying, the uh, velocity at which information um, arrives. And, uh, I mean, you know, we have to get some things really clear first, I think. Uh, first of all, of course, this war and occupation in the form it took was unnecessary, immoral, uh, and a crime against humanity and nature from the very start. Could the U.S. have eliminated the Taliban and eliminated the safe haven for al-Qaeda without also creating the conditions that ended in a pointless 20-year war of occupation? Yes. Was the right answer years and years and years ago to bring the troops home to their families? Yes. And if morality was in the equation, which unfortunately it wasn't, that withdrawal would have also included some kind of attempt to actually ensure self-determination, stability, and prosperity for the Afghan people. Full stop. Given that was not the project, and this is something that we all clearly began to understand very quickly um, in, you know, even before the invasion of Iraq, it was clear that Afghanistan was this ill-defined um, forever war without a real end game uh, in the plan. Um, I don't know if we thought it would go on for 20 fucking years, but I think we all knew it was going to be really long and really uh, pointless, ultimately, because it was going to end. You know, once it was clear that the occupying powers and their allies were either unable, I would argue, much more uninterested, uncommitted to providing an environment that would ensure self-determination, security, and prosperity for the Afghan people. Um, you know, how that could have not even been something that was considered is, I mean, once, 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 you, once you occupy a country, what are you doing it for? Like, if you're playing this grand plan, this grand scheme, this grand game of geopolitics, why don't you have an end game? It's, it baffles the mind that even the immoral military planners that exacted all this destruction on people, even they couldn't even be creative enough to think of a way to make it pay off by their horrible term, by, by their own horrible immoral terms, with their own kind of amoral political calculus. Um, and over the years, you know, I think all of us that 
were against the war, even those of us that may have supported it early on, people generally, in fact, just came to grips with the fact that whenever the troops left, bloodshed would ride in their wake. This has been clear, I would argue, for decades. Also, over those two decades, most among us, at least those interested in a more humane and just world, had to accept the presence of this unjustified, doomed war of occupancy existing on our mental periphery at all times. I mean, I was at anti-war marches in 2001, um, even just kind of on the threshold of my own personal political awakening. And the things I heard at those marches are as true today as, as they were then. You know, it, the reading of the situation was completely accurate from the start in terms of the critique of the war. Um, and yet we've had to abide 20 years of an unjust war of occupation and aggression in which the well-being and rights of the people involved were never in uh, anyone's, pl- anyone's long-term plans or never part of anyone's long-term strategy. And, you know, I think we all were ultimately just kind of waiting for it to end, you know? Something else also happened over those 20 years. The messaging of humanitarian interventionism slowly dripped more and more and more into the pool. It was always propaganda, but 20 years of it has blunted our response to it. Uh, I mean, people have just, I mean, even even not just blunted our response to it. There are some people who have just, ex- just kind of bought it, and they, they, they think they're thinking purely in those terms only because they've been told to think in those terms for 20 years. And then there's those among us who possess, you know, a deep, passionate, and justified rational perspective that this is propaganda because of course the more humanitarian thing to do is to wage peace instead of war of course war in any form is anathema to humanity i think this has been clear for generations at least although it's a lesson that people continue to not want to learn i mean for me personally uh living in the bizarre torpor that is my life Um, I was kind of shocked at a lot of the events in the last week. Um, A friend of mine um, who's really political guy, also, you know, very knowledgeable about the region and the politics there, uh, kind of had alerted me earlier in the week to the pending catastrophe. Um, You know, as you know, you refresh the BBC and there's each day there's a different uh, regional capital you hear about falling. And it's like, okay, you know, I think I tweeted out, hey, you know, Uh, at least Americans are learning the names of these cities for the first time. But, you know, as each fell, um, it's safe to say that they were as quickly forgotten. And then fast forward to a few days after that, and all of a sudden, you know, in the space of, uh, you know, watching a movie, you check check back on the news and you hear Kabul surrounded on all sides. Uh, Afghan president has fled the country. And you just think to yourself, like, really? Like, they fucked it up this bad, eh? Like, I don't think anyone gave them 90 days. I think the official estimate was 90 days. You know, 90 days to, to help us not lose too much face here. It's kind of like when you're, like, a real huge asshole. You're just like a... Like, just imagine the biggest piece of shit you ever met in your life, okay? He's like a big, smelly motherfucker. Bad hygiene. Bad breath. Uh, you know, swears. Um, just... Not not the kind of guy I want to have around, you know, but he, he's, he's over at your poker game for whatever reason, for whatever goddamn reason you've invited this asshole to play poker with you, okay? 
And, uh, you know, he's a big fucking lumbering idiot. You know, he's got a ton of money. He's got the greatest military industrial complex ever known to humankind in history. Um, you know, so he swings, he's, he makes big swings, you know, and he, he, uh, he thinks he's a big motherfucker, but he's an idiot. So of course he just loses all of his money. Um, you know, the bulk of it in, uh, in a single hand, but you know, he's, you know, he's an idiot, but he knows, you know, to not just like stand up right away and walk out of the room and leave like a baby. You know, he knows he has to save face. Even this fucking asshole knows he has to save face by playing a few more hands before calling it quits. Okay. So that's all that 90 days was. I mean, it's Saigon 2.0. It's Saigon with like a better phone, you know, Saigon with like a better phone with more cameras. It's got two different cameras that uh, triangulate the image and, and give you a greater resolution. I mean, really, that's, that's all we're looking at. But it's not even Saigon 2.0 because it was fucking instantaneous. Like Paper, ti- paper Tiger, you couldn't even call the Afghan military a paper, a paper tiger, okay? It's like it was a paper dandelion. And I don't fucking blame them either because anyone that expects a single fucking human being on this earth to want to fight for an occupying power in his own goddamn country, I mean, seriously, that's what you, that, that's what you expect someone to fucking do. These motherfuckers are in my country. They're telling me what my life is going to be. And meanwhile, they're fucking it up like harsh like they're doing the worst possible fucking job you could fucking imagine they're worse than the fucking taliban think about that for a second you want they want you to fight for them and they they seem less capable of governing than the fucking taliban okay so it it like wasn't even a paper tiger it was like a, a tiger made out of dandelion uh like seeds that just like blew away into the wind because of course the Taliban have their shit together apparently more than the Americans and they were doing things like going to villages and saying hey we're going to give you this money if when the shit goes down you just kind of like you know let us pass through and and they just they just waltzed they waltzed through like everything they just waltzed through because people you know what choice did they fucking have first of all like the Americans are fucking leaving you know they're, they're packing up shop. They're like, well, you know, hey, you know what, Afghanistan, it's been real. Uh, Afghanistan. Afghanistan, if they're, if they're more respectful, knowledgeable Americans. Afghanistan, if they're, they're other Americans, you know, who are maybe good people, but don't, don't pronounce it Afghanistan. Um, you know, hey, it's been, it's been real. We've been here 20 years with our guns and stuff. You know, it's been a great time. Like uh, uh, the world's like shittiest, like backyard barbecue with guns that just goes on forever and is a fucking slaughter. I mean, Jesus Christ, people. Like, seriously? Like, the motherfuckers blaming the Afghan military? Give me a fucking break where they get off. Like... <laughs> and, then the, and then the other motherfuckers who are talking, framing the whole thing in terms of, uh, you know, money and a return on investment, it's like, well, we invested all this money, okay? We invested all this fucking money. Look what we got for it. Nothing. Nothing. Well, it's like, yeah, because you went to the fucking casino and you just blew your wad like a fucking insane person. Like you're embezzling funds from your like father's real estate corporation or something like uh, like you got you don't have a care in the fucking world. You can't frame this as like a, a money thing. It's 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 total bullshit. And you can't you can't blame the Afghans for this either. You can't blame Gaul for the crimes of Caesar. You can't blame the occupied people who were compromised and in a position where they had no choice but to 
collaborate and and work with the occupying power, it's not exactly a non-precarious position given the political reality and the military realities on the ground. I mean, this 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 is the type of thing that brands one a traitor to one's country in some people's eyes, you know? And <laughs> to act as though taking on that as well as being expected to fire a bullet from a gun at another human being with the intention to kill them and with the intention to kill the one that comes after that and the one that comes after that and the one that comes after that and having that shit on the conscience for the rest of your life, you're going to do that for the United States military and a bunch of fucking contractors who like, for the most part, don't really give a shit about you because they have nothing to do with you. They have no business being there. They aren't fucking, uh, like, the, I don't know, like aliens coming down from from the moon to fucking give civilization to Afghanistan. Like no person, no person on earth has should have license to go to someone else's country and tell them how to live. Ultimately, we can work to, to, towards a more just and humane world, of course. But <sighs> like, seriously, man, it's so fucked. Um, and speaking of fucked up. You know, there's been some pretty hot takes, some pretty spicy takes. Um, thankfully, this one's only 14 seconds, which I'm really glad it's only 14 seconds because I'd probably lose my fucking mind if this was like 14.25 seconds. Um, this is uh, Handmaiden to Apocalypse and uh, demonically possessed presence, Laura Ingram. Let's hear what Laura Ingram has to say. And is it really our responsibility to welcome thousands of potentially unvetted refugees from Afghanistan? All day we've heard phrases like, we promised them. Well, who did? Did you? Did you? Okay, Laura, thank you. So this is the issue in my mind. This is the issue that cuts through all the bullshit. The fact that right-wingers are, are going to try and manipulate the message around whether or not borders should be open up to fucking refugees from Afghanistan. This is the issue. This is what we have to fight against. These are the people that need our attention right now because these are the people that are gladly and willingly and passionately seeking a continuation to the suffering and exacerbation to the suffering. I mean, honestly, I've heard a lot of takes on Twitter today and over the weekend that were basically just like, you know what, either tr either trying to tell me that because I'm disgusted at this fucking botched uh, withdrawal that's creating even an additional humanitarian catastrophe on top of, I don't know how many we have now built up, not only in Afghanistan, but in the region. You know, I'm, I can be against both things. I can be against the war from the start and also against leaving thousands of people to die at the airport, not having gotten mother like people out in the last two years. Like you're telling me after having spent literally over a hundred billion dollars you know 24 months ago 18 months ago you couldn't have been fucking going on expedia being like hey maybe there's some good deals maybe if we do a bulk buy you know like i, I don't know if biden was confused by the web interface um or if he couldn't read the number on his credit card without someone helping him there wasn't someone around i don't know if he just got confused maybe the website was down but it, it, the, if the global fucking hegemon can't book some fucking plane tickets and get people into some fucking motels because they, you know, <laughs> assisted you in your occupation of their country, let's be perfectly honest. Um, I don't know what it can do in, in some ways. Yeah, Laura Ingram, ladies and gentlemen, just a special place in the bottom circles of hell for her. I mean, 
of course the people on Fox News are going to twist this uh, towards their their one xenophobic talking point that they just keep on coming back to. Um, and when we're when we're living in a world where the the current situation in the present moment is that there's thousands upon thousands of people living in fear for their lives right now, who've been betrayed not by an active conscious act of betrayal, but a, but a betrayal of just complete disregard, complete disinterest in their humanity, their lives, their life experience. Um, and if you're not disgusted by that, and if that doesn't break your heart, um, let's go to Tucker Carlson. Uh, cause you know, he's a heartbreaker, you know, I mean, you can definitely, uh, of all the things he is, you know, you could, there could be an argument that he's a heartbreaker here. So this one's about two minutes long. So let's just hold hands and try and uh, get through this together. I might pause it if it gets a little too hairy. Um, just please monitor your xenophobia levels while listening to this. There is a danger of your xenophobia levels reaching, um, you know, the breaking point. If you listen to more, more of this than you're acclimated to, I recommend having maybe some apple juice and a cookie nearby. If you have that, you know, you'll get some energy in your system. It'll help block out the uptake of the xenophobia. Okay, so let's hear what uh, let's hear what Tucker Carlson, the world's only person made completely of artery clogging, overpriced, soul crushing frozen food. But first, since Kabul has just fallen, it might be worth asking the most obvious question of all: Why did the Taliban win? How did? Um, because uh, America fucked it up. You know, it's pretty simple, really. The 6th century triumph over the 21st century. Yeah, get a load of this guy. <laughs> the 6th, I mean, it was the 6th century with, like, you know, Kalishnikovs from the 80s, at least, though. You know, it was really like, it was really like a 6th century retro. There are indications that the single most notorious and reviled government in the world. Is that the U.S.? Are you talking about the U.S.? Primitive people famous for their brutality. I think he's still talking about the U.S. Rigidity and humorlessness yeah, definitely. are more popular in parts of Afghanistan than they were when we expelled the mullahs from Kandahar 20 years ago. They don't seem to be less popular. So how did that... I mean, I don't know the polling data he's looked at. You know, I know 538-359-8675309. Um, what are they called? Anyways, Nate Silver's on the case. I'm sure they've deployed him. I'm sure he's gone door to door through this active war zone to do this uh, polling. I mean, yeah. The Taliban are popular in Afghanistan. Like, get a load of this motherfucker. That happened. What's the answer? I mean, you know, they just have a, they had a great message, you know, like, uh, uh, I like uh, the way they carry the guns in the open. And, um, you know, I really thought their policy proposals for, uh, you know, destroying the lives of my children and, uh, you know, in, in, imposing a rigid uh, religious orthodoxy. You know, that appeals to me as, a, as an urban rep resident of Kabul. We had a post to think about that. Let's not just blow past it like it was an act of God. It's not. What is the answer? Well, countries are very complicated, all of them. So there are likely many answers. Oh, my God. Hold on. Stop the presses. Countries are complicated? No way. Fuck. I guess we're, we are learning something here. This wasn't a waste. But one of those answers may be that the population of Afghanistan has firmly rejected what our leaders were selling it over 20 years. It turns out that the people of Afghanistan don't actually want gender studies symposia. Okay, so I mean, he basically, he did the classic Tucker thing of saying something that's true, which is that, you know, maybe the Afghans weren't fully buying what the Americans were selling. Uh, true. And this is why he's such a good uh, launderer, you know? 
This is why he's such a good grifter, because he mixes the truth in, honestly, like more than anyone else on the right. I really think that's the secret to his, uh, his, his popularity and longevity. Yeah. They didn't actually buy the idea that men can become pregnant. I mean, <laughs> of course. <laughs> After saying something with the ring of truth, he just goes into complete batshit insane territory. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, I'm not even going to justify that anymore. They thought that was ridiculous. They don't hate their own masculinity. <laughs> Oh my god, I should have watched this beforehand. <laughs> they don't think it's toxic. They like the patriarchy. Some of their women like it too. So now they're getting it all back. Holy shit. So maybe it's possible that oh. we failed in Afghanistan. And this isn't even the craziest shit I got for you folks. This isn't even like half as crazy. This isn't even one-tenth as crazy as the fucking third clip we're going to be listening to. Afghanistan because the entire neoliberal program is grotesque. It's a joke. It's contrary to human nature. It answers none of our deepest human desires. I mean, it's interesting, really, because he's actually just this almost at this point, you're just like, well, dude, like you have no material, man. Like you've just launched into the same shit you say all the time. Like you're wasting a golden opportunity. This is fall of Saigon 2.0. OK, Saigon 2.0 with, you know, the, the eye tracking and the fucking fancy uh, like thumbprint scanner and shit. You're just going to waste it on, like, your normal fucking Monday through Friday talking points? What an idiot. It is merely a performance staged for the performer. It's not even supposed to improve your life. All right, fuck it. Let's, there's no more. There's no point in listening to the last fucking bit of this. Um, all right, well, so we left the, fun, the funnest part for, uh, for last here. Um, you know, broadcasting from uh, the sanctity of his uh, parents' basement, which I'm sure is, is boarded up in preparation for the uh, the fucking storming of the Bastille that he's expecting to happen. Well, no, he probably wouldn't even... He'd probably figure it's more like... A, to Charlie Kirk, it's probably more like the, the final battle in Starship Troopers or something. It's probably more how he envisions it. Um, anyways, you know... The uh, self-loathing, the deep self-loathing. Like if you if you listen to Charlie Kirk and you don't see how how much he fucking hates himself, I mean you look at you look at Charlie Kirk and you can just see how much this guy hates himself. I mean, come on, it's written all over his face, and the the psychosexual stuntation charts. Uh, I'm seeing some pretty. So let's uh, let's hear let's hear Charlie Kirk's spicy take on this. President Joe Biden's Department of Defense will accept thirty thousand afghan refugees in the military installations following the collapse of kabul boom political transformation oh man thank god we found those thirty thousand. i guess i guess the idea is they're going to be fake voters is thirty thousand enough to swing a u.s election isn't it like the like a quarter of the population of des moines let the country crumble do you know there's five million displaced people in afghanistan now this yeah, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure Charlie Kirk gives a shit about displaced people in Afghanistan. It was all intentional. Joe Biden let it fall apart to now say, oh, I'm so sorry. I guarantee you Joe Biden's speech this afternoon will talk about refugee assistance and relocation support. Now, Joe Biden's going to be scrambling to make good on it, and the liberal media will love it. They'll say, oh, yes, okay, now I get it. 
Joe Biden is now fixing his own problem. Joe Biden is stepping up and he's allowing a flow of people from the Middle East into America. Thank you, Joe Biden. You're such a hero. So benevolent. You're so respectful. You're so compassionate. Do you see what's going on here? What's going on here is Joe Biden wants a couple hundred thousand more Elon Omars to come into America to change the body politic permanently. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's impressive stupidity. You know, you have to you have to give him credit there. I, I recommend we we get some of our more seasoned and professional uh, medical minds together on this one. Like, I think this might be a. I really think Charlie Kirk is a one once in a century fucking idiot. So it's possible that if he was examined in like a proper clinical setting, he could serve humanity. Um, I mean, this is the more insane. Like, whereas Laura Ingram's kind of style of xenophobia is just pure hatred. Um, Charlie Kirk is kind of paranoia mixed with hatred, mixed with stupidity. So, um, you know, that's another flavor of this this discourse that we're now going to have to contend with. <laughs> this tragedy, like, I mean, the whole thing is a tragedy. But people fucking falling off of planes because they're holding on to the edge as it takes off. Just the entire fucking country falling, like, practically overnight. Meanwhile... You know, the occupying powers, they know, quite frankly, that the American voting public, by and large, doesn't really give a shit. And especially after 20 years of lies and bullshit and pointless war, they really don't give a shit, okay? Like, they really don't give a shit anymore at this point. So I think Biden is really cynically exploiting that, you know, or at the very least, that's giving him cover here, you know? I mean, if, if he was any kind of a moral leader... He'd probably be doing what, you know, what I would imagine an Obama or a more like at least like slightly with it fucking neoliberal vampire would do, which is try and organize uh, efforts to get refugees to other countries other than the U.S. Because, of course, the U.S. is never going to let like the U.S. is, is never going to let five million <laughs> refugees in. They're never going to let fucking 50,000 if they can avoid it. It's I mean, you see the way this becomes a political football. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just like. <sighs> I don't even know what to say. Like, the refugee question is the question as far as I'm concerned right now. And I, I, I don't really want to hear about how it was going to be bad no matter what. Like, of course it was. We've entered this morass of a moral universe because of 20 years of living under the propaganda of humanitarian interventionism. Because, you know, you're going to see people fucking storming an airport and your first thought might rightfully and rationally be, this is propaganda someone's showing me for the purposes of promoting an unjust intervention in the world. Because that is the kind of thing that's been going on. That's the language that we now speak. On the other hand, even if you do just feel, quite rightly in my view, just sadness to see the suffering, <clears throat> you can't help but also wonder, well, how do I actually integrate this into my thinking and my thought and my expression? Because... People are, might think that I am somehow supporting more aggression by expressing my sadness at this. People might think that I am actually supporting war if I say I'm really horrified to think at how many fucking terrified women there are in Afghanistan right now because Empire has been using the propaganda of this kind of faux feminism to buttress their fucking baseless um, causes belli for this war. Their baseless you know, justification for this war. And I really don't know how we actually can kind of cut that Gordian knot because it seems to me as though, you know, for the most part, what I'm seeing is people disagreeing 
and um, people who were dejected, people who don't want to think about it um, because they always knew it was going to be ugly no matter what. And that was the rational and correct assumption to make. Um, you know, I think the geopolitical implications of this are really big. I mean, you even take it outside of the realm of domestic politics or, or refugee policy. You know, what do we know now? I mean, this is a huge black eye for the U.S. Their brand new phone, Saigon 2.0, came out and the fucking user interface blew, the software crashed, and every one of them fucking bricked, okay? They made 550 display models for everyone at fucking CNET or whatever the fuck it is. And the whole thing was just a huge debacle. It was Apple Maps bad. I'm trying to explain this to the young kids in terms they can understand. It was Apple Maps bad. This is a black eye for the American military. You know, again, I, I wanted all the troops home years ago. I wanted them home with their families, living peacefully. And this is no way, I'm, 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 in, I'm in no way disparaging the rank and file of the military at all. At all. But the military brass and the planners, like, they look like fucking nincompoops right now, okay? And the other global powers are looking at this shit and they're probably thinking, man, like these guys, they're weak, man. They're weak. They're moving slow. They don't got the grit. They don't got the gumption. And if I had to make a grim prediction, it would be that really like the U.S. military is going to move out of the Middle East as an area of focus more and more, you know, replacing themselves with more drones, more mercenaries. Um, you know, the, the, the violence is going to continue. The geopolitical cynical games are going to continue. But they've probably learned at this point direct involvement of American troops is not only a political loser for them, it's not really a guarantor of victory either. So at this point, they're on, they're on the back foot in that region. Uh, at least they're more on the back, fo back foot now than they were two weeks ago. And, you know, as we look to things like the South China Sea, I mean, like, what do you do when your military can't pull off a, a lightweight, complicated kind of finesse move in Afghanistan? You probably just throw some fucking destroyers in the South China Sea, you know, and uh, <laughs> I think I think this can only be bad for ratcheting up tensions between the U.S. and China, who have just been on more and more of a bellicose track. I mean, I don't think war is imminent. I don't think it's even necessarily likely, but... To say that it's impossible would be misguided. Um, much more importantly, I think it's also true that while we're learning that the U.S.'s ability to wage war, or at least the, the finesse kind of style of war that they've been waging, or a war you know where they're projecting power halfway across the world, you know that's compromised. But I think much more troublingly, their ability to wage peace is completely compromised. They didn't win the peace here. They completely failed at making the peace. They failed at making the peace uh, from the moment they decided it was my way or the highway after they took the country over in 2001. Um, they lost the peace when they denigrated uh, all the people that they maybe would have to talk to and negotiate with to build a lasting and durable peace. Um, they lost the peace when they showed a complete lack of interest in ever truly pursuing it. And they lost the peace as they you know, probably haphazardly attempted to cobble together some efforts to do fucking something near the very end. At least I hope that's what was happening. <laughs> um, but they even fucking failed at that. Okay, so this is a, this is a fail for the US, um, if anyone's keeping score. Are you keeping score? Yeah, they got it. Um, all right, well, <laughs> kind of a grim, a grim episode tonight. Again, Night Roll will be back. We'll, uh, we'll try and get the party started again. We'll try and get the party started again once, uh, you know, we have fewer people uh, falling off of planes, which is not really a great vibe. Um, 
in closing, I'll just say, you know, uh, never let the lies of an empire or, or any institution um, compromise your own sense of conscience. Uh, it doesn't belong to them. It will never belong to them. It only belongs to you. And, uh, and don't let it go. Even, even as uh, the satanic claws reach out to try and grab it from you. It's a confusing time. Um, stay safe. Stay close to your loved ones. Make sure they know you love them. And, uh, and we'll catch up with you all very soon.